Season 2, Episode 15, Stats That Matter, the French Grand Prix Review, Playoff Hockey, big push going on right now, some NBA calamity. In our cups this week, it's a fooder saison from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Shout out to the, the brewery that collaborated with them because they're from Portland, Maine. And uh, Tim, are you feeling okay? Because you're drinking a porter from Boston, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this. Boston is not northeast, south, or West Haven, Connecticut. So it's good to see you branching out and getting beers from other places. Just just checking on you, making sure that uh, try. yeah, supporting your local markets. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. We uh, we're, we're mixing it up. Yeah, a we bit. are. I mean, I'm drinking a saison and you're drinking a porter. Who'd have thought it? Hmm? Not That's me. Right. Not me. <laughs> Shout out to the hot ones, which is that was where the idea was stolen from with Paul Rudd. But anyways, moving on. Uh, <laughs> you can find stats and matter wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google. Follow us on Instagram at Stats Don't Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. Tim, let's get into the show. The boys and girls and they, them, girls and everyone. Everybody in between. Yes. I, okay. So before we get into what's in my cup, I think we, we got to speak. There's There's been a lot of momentous news that's been going on, obviously. Um, in the sporting world lately, whether it's contracts, whether it's you know trade deals, whether it's people throwing against air and no defenders in training camp, um, and Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib uh, came out and he's the first actively mm. uh, gay NFL player that's act- that signed to a contract. So that's what we mean when we say active uh, NFL player because you know Michael Sam was the first um, out uh, NFL player when he was drafted, and I think that was probably like seven eight years ago now. It's wild. Um, but the league has come a long way. Um, Nassib did release this during Pride Month. Um, happy Pride, everyone. And he also, in a 60-second clip, I mean, he put more into those 60 seconds than I think a lot of people do on their Instagram lives. But he, he very mm-hmm. succinctly came out and he said, I've, I've been wanting to do this for a long time. Um, I have a lot of support, friends and family, and I feel like this is just what I'm living for now. Uh, and he also pledged to donate $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which um, – goes to curb LGBT youth suicides. So shout out to Carl Nassib. Very, very, very proud of what you're doing. Big time, man. And he's, he's gotten a lot of love from a lot of other NFL players. So if you're one of those, those people out there on the interwebs who has some ignorant shit to say, I mean, you, you can say it if you want. But uh, freedom of speech is not freedom of consequence, and people will be in your mentions, and you will get promptly owned. Um yeah, I, I don't have anything else to say about that. I think it's fantastic. Um, the NFL is not a social experiment like some people like to say it is. It's a subsect of American life. Um, and it's incredible to see all races and walks of life being represented in the NFL. Um, I think I said before that the NFL is sort of America's pastime. I know baseball might be the heartlands version of it, but baseball can only get you so far. And football really is America's crown jewel right now. And uh, shout out to them. Yeah, man, I, uh, it, I'm, I'm glad to see it. Uh, I'm kind of glad to see the way the media has responded to it. I know everybody, uh, there are some big opinions out there. Uh, just go scrolling through any comment section to kind of get an idea of what's going on. Uh, there are a lot of people posting, you know, who cares and, and whatnot. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who's, who still do care, um, both negatively and positively there are a lot of people who look at this as sort of a beacon of hope uh for their own lives seeing more and more um 
not necessarily not just high profile but people who might not otherwise feel comfortable coming out who are doing so which kind of continues to open the door there's some crazy statistics on suicide uh in um the youth in the lgbtq community and every time something like this happens uh that percentage uh of of kids you know who do end up harming themselves drops significantly so um if if your i don't care is coming from a good place because you don't necessarily think it's a big deal anymore or it shouldn't be a big deal that's great but it shouldn't necessarily take away from the overall message and the impact of what is going it might not make a difference to you it might not make a difference in your everyday life but there are people who are going to see that and it's going to make a huge difference from them um there are some people who are going to see that you know his own teammates you're going to have people uh you know rooting for him and against him there's going to be some people who are going to be uncomfortable there's going to be lots of things that he has to deal with that aren't going to get publicized that aren't going to get spoken about i mean i don't think he's going to really follow it up based on the way he delivered his message there was no fluff it was like Hey guys, uh, this is just a little bit about me. Uh, I feel like now's the time to, to to tell you guys and make it aware. And he's not some guy who's riding the pine either. He just signed a three million dollar, I mean a, a three year twenty five million dollar deal. So, I mean he's going to be out playing, and people are going to be able to see that and respect it. I mean, you're right. We should all look at that and say like, who cares what someone's sexuality is? But unfortunately, that's not the realism of today's environment. Yeah. Like, people care for it, against it. It, it, it does matter uh, to some extent, should we get to the point where, you know, just like everyone else, you don't have to necessarily announce it, maybe someday, but, you know, as a straight white male, I still know that that's not where we're at. So good for him. Good for what he's doing. Um, if you guys want to check out the Trevor Project, it's uh, the trevorproject.org. Uh, it's a great organization that helps kids, you know, who are going through these sorts of things kind of help manage uh and their you know primary goal is to prevent suicide and you know kids who are struggling uh with acceptance or coming out or or whatever is going on in their in their personal lives it helps them it helps them figure out a path forward and more importantly it helps cut back on uh, on youth suicide which you know no matter what the cause is 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 a great cause yep. 100% what one of the last things i'll say about that is i, I don't know if you watched uh, hard knocks uh, he was on there a few seasons back. I think it was his rookie um, season with the uh, with the Raiders, and he was teaching his fellow teammates in training camp about compound interest and how to invest their money. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is like maybe in the wrong career field." And if you look at my Robinhood account, Funny. I'm definitely in the wrong career field because I shouldn't be investing. But <laughs> shout out to Carl Nassim. Way to go! <laughs> uh. All right, we're going to get to drinking these beers in just a second. Tim, I need your 30-second Eat Your Hollywood story. I need you to answer this question for me. Can you explain to me why Bob Kraft, who's worth $6.9 billion, billion with a B, can't get his favorite powder blue Bentley convertible, yet one could be gifted to him by the president of the 76ers, Meek Mill and Jay-Z? How does this happen? (laughs) Uh, I mean, this is clearly a case of, uh, who, you know, not what you have or what you want. Uh, I'm sure all that money in the world, I know those cars are super limited. He probably could have just found someone and threw a ton of money at it. But I mean, I don't know if you've seen a lot of these cars, uh, a lot of your modern day rap artists are driving around, but they seem to have some pretty high connections all over the place. So 
while I don't necessarily know the exact answer, I can only speculate it's because uh, Meek Mills knows somebody who knows somebody uh, who knows somebody else. And Bob Kraft is just uh, an old white guy who owns a football team. Is, is this an example of white privilege? <laughs> Because you can get a Bentley gift uh, I, I mean, mean it got is. I mean, no. It got is. I, I think it's the opposite of that, right? Because you would think white privilege, you'd be able to just snap his fingers and get the car if you wanted to. And they were like, nah, fam. He had to have uh, a, a friend of his come in and uh, do it for him. So instead of paying for it, he got it gifted to him. I don't know, man. That seems a little privileged to me. The worst part of although, the video. Although, for anybody, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Bob Kraft was uh, a a pretty major role in the support of Meek yeah. Mill when Meek Mill was in mm-hmm. jail um, and helping sort of, you know, promote his well-being and his innocence and try to get him out of prison. So I imagine this is a little bit of a, of a thank you for, you know, those efforts, whether or not they, they helped. I mean, obviously there was, they, they must have helped in some yeah. way. But, I mean, they, um, they started the criminal reform organization Reform Alliance. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, you know, like you said, in um, in respect to Mills' controversial parole jail stay. There's a there was a, yeah. a pretty good documentary about it. I'm just saying the dude didn't pay a dime for it. But the video was kind of cringeworthy. He's like shuffling down the hall, and he's like, "Oh my god, how the fudge did you get it? I could. We asked. They wouldn't give it to us. This man has Trump on speed dial. You mean he can't call up Bentley and just get a powder blue?" But like, come on, man! Come right. on, man! That's part of the. That's part of the. That's got to be part of the the mystique in it, right? Like they got to tell some people no to help draw, whether it's artificial or not. But you got to help drive some of the uh, the artificial prestige in it, because then everybody <laughs> would just call up and say, uh. "Here's my custom order. Send them my way." And they're like, "Nah, man. We made like six hundred of these cars. That's all we get. Take it or leave it." So. Maybe maybe Meek knew someone who owned the car that wasn't doing anything with it. Slid him uh, maybe an extra mil for it. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? But I I have to imagine there are plenty of companies out there who deal with wealthy people all the yeah. time who have no problem telling someone. You know, no. is the most telling of this? They're just like nah. Tom mm. Brady didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Did you see the video? There, there might be. Oh, we love just, Tom. Tom is the greatest patriot ever. Tom didn't help buy you a Bentley, did he? <laughs> I'm probably didn't have access to the same resources. You, you know what this means, right? Galaxy brain, what? Tim Spiracy foil hat on. Meek is from Philadelphia. Philadelphia beat the Patriots. Kraft knew about it. The Patriots took a fall on that Super Bowl. You would have really already had seven with the Patriots, but clearly, clearly, it was it was in the works. You know, Philly is going to win a high scoring game. Is going to make a lot of money, and then I will gift you a, a powder blue. Bentley in the future. That that's what I'm saying. It, I'm, I'm, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever oh, heard. Freaking ridiculous. Yeah. Did you see the uh, the viral video of uh, Tom posted where he made the the three putts in a yeah. row? That was that was. I thought that was going to be a little cringe. That was actually pretty yeah, solid. I, that was. Uh, How many times do you think he did that, that before he, he finally got it in? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he just had the line. Maybe he putted a bunch and then just had the line. So all he had to do was just. <laughs> Hit it a couple times, but yep. Or oh, that was some pretty solid editing. That's also possible. Yes, very but possible. Either way, mm-hmm. either way, that Mass was uh, that was pretty solid. I'm here for that kind of trash. I'm here for that kind of uh, trash talk. Oh yeah, two weeks, right? The match three. 
Yeah, I really can't wait to hear what some of the Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, you know, their unchained uh, hostility now, you know, it's all playful, but neither one of them seem to have much of a filter mm. these days. So I'm 100% here for that trash talk because I think it'll be on a different level than what, we, uh, what we've heard up until this point. <laughs> and a very different style than like Peyton and oh, Tom. Yeah. That's just some good wholesome back and forth, but I could see some like legitimate barbs being thrown back and forth between those Especially two. Especially with like, you know, some stuff on like the like the off the six T, like, oh, if you can't hit this, I mean, like, I guess you gotta admit that like you really should have thrown the go route on that pass, you know, versus the Rams like fifteen years ago. And then like, you know, they'll be back and forth. It'll be very, very inventive. There'll be a lot of things, a lot of subliminals yeah. in that in that match you're gonna have to pay attention to. But all right, let's get the people yeah. what they came yeah, here yeah. for, which is the craft beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll uh, I'll dive into mine yes. first. Go ahead. It's, it's it's been here now, and it's uh it's 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 got a while not lukewarm. It's it's <laughs> risen in temperature since I took it out. <laughs> um. All right. So I'm drinking. Uh, it's a limited release clown shoes. Uh, pecan pie porter. Um. I, I like how they did give a write up. You can't see it, but it's a samurai, uh, eating just. I mean, what well, looks very unsavory, but I'm assuming that's pecan all over his face and body and hands. Um, <laughs> this is main event. Uh, Genghis Pecan rules with an iron fist. He conquers all that he surveys, but he also is a strategic genius. Genghis plans his meals weeks and weeks ahead that he arrives at the clown chew pecan pie eating contest ravenous and ready for another conquest. A seasonal favorite to go alongside a classic dessert, pecan pie porter, but sweet dessert flavors inside a full-bodied and robust porter. Mm. I mean, you know, it, oh. you could let it heat up because really a porter is like a working man's beer. It doesn't really have to be drank super cold. It, it could be room temperature. So right off the bat, um, I can say mistakes were made because I didn't... Uh, I didn't look at the date on this guy. Ooh. Uh, and it was canned. I thought first, like, oh, this looks like something you would consume around Thanksgiving. It was my first thought to, hey, let's look at the bottom of this can. September. 2020. Woo! But, I mean, it's a, it's a porter. It's a porter. I mean, we can we can age these a little bit. I don't know necessarily about the flavors and the sugars and stuff, and and chilling out in here, but <clears throat> smells great right off the bat. Clown juice is one of those that is super super hit or miss for me. Uh, for those who don't yeah. know, uh, they were purchased by Harpoon, and then Harpoon and UFO were then purchased by a company, so they all do their own thing. But the Harpoon Brewery in Boston is phenomenal. Uh, we were in Boston, and while Harpoon isn't necessarily a destination for me in terms of beer or beer quality or whatnot, uh, we were up for an event that I, you know, we were invited to. So, went, checked it out, and uh, it was solid. It was, they had several beers on there across the board, uh, different styles, different flavors, and we happened to sample a ton of them. Um and they had, a, they had quite a few that I would actually go back in. Uh, I think one of them was called the Juicer. I think it was one that they made that was their take on a New England IPA. 
and it was it was really good. I actually looked for it and found it a few times afterwards inside, uh, uh, you know, some package stores. But they had some clown shoes there. And of the three I tried, one of them was decent. The other two weren't so much. Um, I know they have what is it like? Uh, Galactic Space uh, Cake isn't yep. one of their one of their popular ones, or Intergalactic Space Cake, or something like that. There's a bunch of them. Um, their IPAs don't really do it for me. Some of their other like darker beers or like non IPAs tend to be more in my wheelhouse, which is why I tried this one. But I've legitimately never had this beer before, so. That was fantastic. I got high hopes. I'm hoping maybe this extra aging process has <laughs> uh, helped. Um, hmm. So, I'm going to break it down into two parts. From a porter perspective, this is a pretty good porter. Got like a very robust sort of that bitter coffee sort of back end to it, which is kind of nice. Um, if I'm going for a stout or a porter, that's kind of what I'm looking for. I want that sort of like full-bodied, like I'm, you know, mixing my coffee with uh, with a with a beer. I will say, however, from the flavor side, uh, th- those pecans are mostly gone. I think that flavor has fully fallen off at this point. <laughs> there's like a subtle little, like there's a little nuttiness to it, kind of that you can pick up a little bit. Um, maybe like a little hint of sweetness, but for the most part, I would say that the, um, the, I, I think the flavor has just, well, I, and this is the tough part because I don't know what this tasted like on day one. I'm just not getting pecan pie out of this. You say pecan or pecan? It depends. Do you say tomato or tomato? Yeah. I, um, I was really thinking this was going to come out a little bit more. Uh, like sweeter with a little heavier uh, pecan flavor to it. And it's just, it's not there. So I'm going to judge it purely on being a porter. <laughs> uh, and it's, it is good. It is good. It is, it is one that uh, I would get again. Um, I'm curious to see if they release it again this year. And if they do, I'm going to try and get my hands on the actual pecan version, pecan version to see. My guess would be around if, September. <laughs> yeah, so I only got a few. I only got a few months. Um, maybe I'll hold on to one of these cans an extra three months I'll from now and compare the two yeah. of them just to see. Um, but I mean, I just put them in the fridge. Can you? Can they go? They were also warm at the package store, which is I don't know. <laughs> ideal porters. Porters are like that a lot. Most most places you go to, you'll find the darker beers. But anyway, um, three seven for me. Three seven. I was really hoping For it would be yeah three seven. Like I don't want to say someone's leading the witness, but nah, because the uh, from a porter standpoint, it is really really good. It's a well balanced sort of uh, smooth porter. It's not over. Some of them uh, that coffee bitter is like overly bitter. This is nice. It's not. It's nice and smooth. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm a little disappointed. I didn't get the the that pecan sweetness to it because I really love pecan pie. Uh, but that being said on Porter alone, and I don't want to dock him too many points because I didn't look at the date. That's my fault. That's my bad. So I don't want to, uh, come on what a little bit from a Porter perspective. What were you though, doing? Would, Why weren't you looking at the would, can? Uh, 
I'm not a I'm not that big of a beer snob where I necessarily look at the born on date to see if it was two weeks ago and so, now it's now so it's funny gone. Story. This is six months. <laughs> funny story. Uh, we had we had some family come down and visit us recently, and my mother in law she brought down a four pack of subby for me, and, um, mm-hmm. and she was like, "I checked the date on that." And I was like, "Oh, okay," because she knows I like I like to I like to do that with IPAs, and she was like, and I pulled one off yeah. the the front of the rack and. I just noticed it didn't have a good date on it. And I asked the lady if she could go back and check for a later date. And I was like, oh, wow. Linda, let's listen. <laughs> you don't have to do that for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let yeah. me do that. I, uh, I got to say that. I got to say, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm not that level of beer snob anymore. Uh, as long as long as it's within a, a few weeks, I'm good. This is nine months out. Um <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. Anyway. Oh, boy. Okay. So, I was out this weekend, and I happened to find this collaboration between Commonwealth Brewing Company at Virginia Beach, Virginia, and Allagash. Mm -hmm. Okay? Right there. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Uh, The folks from Allagash came down, and they produced this date and yuzu fooder saison called toji. Now, if you're from Virginia, you've probably had Commonwealth Brewing's adjunct stouts called like Marveloso, uh, and then their IPAs. And their IPAs are fantastic. They're really, really good. And this just spit all over the counter. Here we go. Yeah, buddy. Oh, man. Uh, so I'm not really a big Saison fan, but I'm actually pretty excited Ooh. to get into this. And I think that's... Not either. I'm not a big... I'm not a big clove fan. I I tend to get a lot of those clove vibes. I think this is solely the reason why I got us, just because you know name base, right? <laughs> yeah, not gonna lie. Okay, pop the top. Ton ton of carbonation yep. still. Um, I don't know. You can see that, but there's 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 quite a bit of bubbling going on inside, um, which is great because I I just cracked the top, so I think it's still good. Um, let's see. Pours a nice. Nice light orange color. It almost looks sort of like look. Take a look at that. It, it it gives you like this little little bit of effervescence right there. Now, if you ask what a medjool date is, I couldn't tell you. Okay, never had a date in my life. Well, <laughs> shout out to my forever date. Uh, a date as in like a like a Mediterranean date, like a like a pitted date. Um, I have had a lot of beers with yuzu. I like yuzu quite a bit. Um, Let's see. Okay. I have no idea how to describe this beer <laughs> other than it's really effervescent. <laughs> um, I assume... Wow. It's very effervescent. That's the only thing I can really say about it thus far, and I think that's kind of messing with me a little describe bit. For the, describe for the listeners who don't know what that means. Effervescent. So, like, you ever seen the, the Alka-Seltzer commercial where they throw the thing in the cup and it, it fizzes? Like, that's that's what it is. It's like whatever carbonation they have in this, It's it, the yeast is still clearly fermenting, and it, the beer is still living, right? Because it, it's got a ton of bubbles. Uh, in it. It's it's almost like a little bit of like a like a champagne kind of effervescence on your palate. I was I was gonna say did they use champagne yeast in no, it? I, I don't know. Right on the bottom. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Oh, now mm. the flavor. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Now I'm getting the flavor. I probably should look at the back because there's a there's a, there's a description yeah. of the back. I get to read something off for now. Okay. Toji, a white wine barrel aged fooder saison blend created with our friends from Allagash Brewing. Saison was aged for six to thirteen months on a blend of Brita Monsters in our house wild strain, followed by three month refermentation on yuzu fruit and whole medjool dates. The resulting hand bottled and conditioned beer is an intriguing harmony of bright lime, mild tartness, citrus spice, and caramel candy undertones. Now, I don't think that I really would have got any of that <laughs> from just a blind taste <laughs> test. So my my beer tasting days yeah. uh, as a judge clearly are not uh, in threat here. It does it does remind me a little bit of like lime rind a bit, but I think sometimes when you have like limey type of beers, it's a different color. It's not necessarily like this fizzy yellow. So, Ooh. I'm interested though that something that's got Brett. I mean, it doesn't. I'm saying I gotta say it. It, it doesn't look like you're enjoying it very much, just based off of your uh, noises and the faces that <laughs> you're making right now. It's it, it looks like you just walked out into the cold and you're trying to figure out what to make. And of that's it. kind of what this beer tastes like. It's like if someone like walked outside in the main winter. And they took a breath. Like it, it is, it is have, yeah. It, it, it definitely does. It kind of like freezes your your throat a little bit. Um, that's def, That's right, I'm gonna need thing. the audience to. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need the audience to raise your hand if you have no idea what Sam just said <laughs> because you can't see me. My hand is in the air. It tastes like you walked out in the all right. yeah, like in the winter time. Like you walk outside. And you, like, we said going into this, we weren't gonna wax poetic, uh, and here, here you are. are. Like <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> verbal 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 poetry with. Well, I feel like I gotta do that. With, as I, you know. <laughs> as I open the door, yeah. <laughs> I walk out, inhale. Uh, it's the citrusy pine and nuttiness of the yeah, autumn uh, air. Uh, uh, wow! Against okay. my beard, <laughs> <laughs> craft beer, a love story. I'm gonna use soon on Audible. Okay, yeah. uh, back to the beer. <laughs> I don't, I don't love it. I will, I will say that. Right, I, I, I think I do like what they tried to do there. Um. Sometimes secondary fermentation beers, which is what it sounds like this has, um, can can kind of get away from me a little bit. It, but then again, I don't. These aren't the type of beer that I drink exclusively, so I don't. I don't really know what to match yeah. it up against. To that end, I would give this probably like a three five. Um, I, I appreciate all the work that went into it. I mean, it's fantastic the way that it's still sitting here and fizzing, which is great. Um, but when I cracked it, I couldn't necessarily pick out the yuzu or the date and i definitely didn't pick up sweet candy caramel undertones that did not happen so um yeah. i i don't know I, I i like the beer don't love it don't hate it so i'll, I'll give it a three five all right fair enough i i applaud you for going outside of your comfort zone oh thank you for that <laughs> i'm not a big uh saison guy so um yeah it doesn't really taste like a, a saison either but maybe i need to drink some more uh food or beers and uh, see what happens. Okay. That is what's in our cups this week. We encourage you to go find him. I think that actually, now that I think about it, this Toji might've been like a 2020 collaborate. This is just the 2020 episode of beers. That's just, that's just what we did. We found him <laughs> on the shelf somewhere. Uh, moving on to the sports part. Cause that's is what you came for. As the kids say, um, you said on, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought you just said we came here for the beer. Uh, yeah. 
Sam can't make up his mind yeah. now. Well, again, last episode you said I make up a lot of things. So <laughs> I just want to set the record. Life comes at you quick, I want to set the record straight. <laughs> I said about the Tim Tebow article, it was Peter King, Football Morning in America. I misspoke. It was Pete Prisco from CBS Sports. So skewer me if you want, Tim, okay? I got the last names and the companies that they work for wrong. They are two different people. I mean, but. I mean, we are clearly a podcast that uh, um, prides ourselves exquisitely on our accuracy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and our truth telling. Oh boy! So, yeah. All right. Something like that. B- moving on from that. Moving on. Let's talk about the open. Yeah. And by let's talk, I mean you talk because look, John Rom, sweet comeback in the U.S. Open. Brooks Bryson, all the hype. It's sort of like the battle for LA. It fell apart, and it wasn't it wasn't yeah. that great. But seeing Brooks and Bryson fall apart at the same damn time is chef's kiss if I've ever seen it. Shout out to John Rom. Yeah, I mean, see, for me, uh, I actually liked this tournament um, because I I do like when I see players out there struggling a bit. Because that's, you know, realistically, that level of play should be on a super difficult course. And that's exactly what we saw, where the winning score was, you know, five, six under. And that's the high score throughout the entire weekend. It's not like anybody really ran away with it. I mean, Spieth was tied for like 19th or something like that with one over. So it's it, it goes to show... Uh, how difficult that course was set up. But <clears throat> for anybody who may have forgotten, I would like you to go back and re-listen to predictions from, from last week because the two things I said uh, was, one, I thought Bryson was going to struggle a little bit because while distance is great, accuracy is still key in a lot of these events. And, uh, well, the man shot a 44 on his last eight holes in a... In, in a an eight-hole stretch that included a double and a quadruple bogey. Fun fact, I played nine holes of golf yesterday. I shot a 45, and I haven't golfed in over a year. Okay. <laughs> so all of a sudden, you're better than, than so, Bryson DeChambeau. All right. But have no, you- that, that shows how poorly he played because accuracy, especially on a course like that, is better than being able to bomb it, you know, 420 yards when you hit the cart path and let it. Roll it's a funny ton, you mention that because no. he if, did if, have if, one that went 427 yards off the carry because the the car path just gave him sweet relief. Yeah, so I mean, it's it it is what it is. You know, it's it's a situation where uh, there will be some tournaments where he'll just dominate. Uh, there'll be others that you know he's going to continue to struggle with because the long game is great, but his short game can tend to get a little dicey. Not that it's bad; it just tends to get a little bit dicey, but. I do want to go back, and I can't recall oh, man. who I thought was going to win oh, it. Oh, boy. I think you said um, Phil. That's what I think you said. Uh, starts with an R. And, oh, Rom. Mm-hmm. Rom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that, that was my guess. Uh, and actually, I mean, truth be told, he finished out strong. The, uh, the, the last, to birdie the last two holes to win was just pure sweet bliss uh and the fact that he had just missed out on a million and a half and then came back and and won this tournament with prestige and the money and everything that goes with it is uh is is definitely i'm sure very bittersweet for him um 
But no, he. I mean, he just played in incredibly, incredibly well. Seventeen, he birdied, came out and hit uh, a beautiful drive on eighteen, and he put it in the sand, and he got a little sort of like, uh oh, what's about to happen here? Uh, takes a nice conservative, you know, shot out of the sand to prevent it from going in the pond, and then he sunk this sort of left to right wrapping putt that uh, nobody had really made the entire tournament. Uh, to seal the deal, that was uh, that that was clutch. The Bryson Kepka sort of collapse. I mean, that that was secondary. A lot of that. I'm I'm gl- I'm glad to see it. I'm glad those two seem to be having fun with the back and forth. But this was this was one for Rom, and uh, this was this was a fun one for me to watch anyway. And as you did tell me a couple episodes ago, um, these late tea times they do mess up your dinner plans. And guess what, Tim? You were right. They did mess up my dinner plans. Yeah. That's just that's the way she goes. All right. Yep. Let's quickly recap the French Grand Prix. It did not disappoint. There's a lot of big things happening in Formula One now. And again, if you've not gone and participated in the sport at all, I'm going to continue to pound the table, even though we're not getting any advertising dollars for it. Netflix Drive to Survive <laughs> Formula One. It's a fantastic series. You'll know everything you need to know. This is crazy. This is the third win in a row for Red Bull. That has not happened in a long, long time. Mercedes' pit strategy has them sleeping at the wheel, pun intended, uh, because they're coming into pit and they're being undercut. And it's happened in a couple races now. Um, This was an absolute thriller from start to finish. Uh, Right out the gate, heading down to turn one, uh, Max Verstappen understeered. And looked like he was going to go straight off the track. Somehow managed to keep the car pretty much under control. Came back under the track. Lewis Hamilton was in first. And I just thought, here we go. It's over. You shouldn't have let that guy who was P2, you shouldn't have let him get in front of you. Because now you're never going to get that place back. Quizzical pitch strategies by Mercedes. Kept them out on their tires for a long time. Um, and Red Bull just decided we're going to pit twice instead of pitting once. Um, when you do that, it's very, very ballsy because if you play your cards wrong, you're, you're going to get overtaken and there won't be enough laps left to make up the distance. Um, but you don't want to be the one to blink first and pit first. And Mercedes kept their drivers out there as long as possible. And hearing the frustration from the drivers on the radio saying that the tires are gone, like we have no grip, we can't do anything with them, was fantastic because they, they usually say some stuff like that anyways. And it's kind of like, you know, trade talk. But this time, the graining of the tires was was pretty wild. And I know you like to know about the term, so I'll explain it for you here. Formula One yeah, tires, man. they have the center of the core of the tire, and they have the treads. When they're heating the tire up, mm-hmm. they have to get the entire tire heated. They can't just heat the treads because obviously they'll wear in certain places where the pressure is. And they can't just heat the core because they need the heat to transfer out through the brakes, everything. Graining occurs when the tire... The center of the tire does not get hot enough or it gets too hot and it doesn't radiate back out towards the tread. So you get more wear and tear in certain parts of the tire. It begins to blister. When it blisters, what do you think happens? Obviously, you're going to get some spots. You're going to get some um, some feedback in the tires. And the French course has a lot of long corners. So if you take a lot of speed into those corners, you nail the brakes, you're putting a lot of pressure in. Typical thought says you should be able to get your tires back up to temperature, but that was just not the case. Red Bull said, we're not going to pit, 
and then Red Bull pitted. Mercedes really had no choice at that point. They had to stay out there to to maintain P1 because if they pitted even a lap later, they they wouldn't have been able to get it back. Uh, It was a very, very ballsy move. Uh, Mercedes came back in later. They two pitted, but with like five or six laps to go, Max caught Lewis and passed him with one and a half laps to go. Uh, it, it was a it was a very clear, I don't want to call it a changing of the guard, but again, three Grand Prix wins in a row. Um, you know, The first time you have an odd pitch strategy, that's a you problem. You can fix that. The second time, obviously, you had the craziness where um, Valtteri Bottas, uh, his wheel nut was pretty much anchored onto the wheel because they stripped it, right? They didn't put the right connector on before they took the wheel mm. off. And now this time, they're undercut again. So it's almost like Red Bull's playing with them. Uh, and this is not what happens. I mean, Mercedes has been the bully on the block for almost a decade now. And Red Bull has just been second yeah. and, and, and fourth, or just second. Now they're in the lead for the Constructors' Cup. They're winning races, and they're scoring a ton of points. Uh, and I just don't think that Mercedes had had an answer for it. They got back-to-back races coming up in Australia, the steering Grand Prix this weekend, and then something later on in the season. Look, Mercedes and the Silver Arrows have to get right, or they're in serious dangers of losing this Constructors' Cup because their let's just get points in one-two is not working out this year, and they don't seem to have a counterpunch. And I would expect more out of a seven-time winning Formula One team. Hmm. Sam, with the fun facts. Try to be. Try to be. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, b- before we move on, I mean, it's, it's crazy still, and I mentioned this before, to think of what Red Bull is as a company and what they're doing in sports just worldwide. It's crazy. With uh, a energy drink company mm-hmm. normally associated with bros and people getting drunk at night mixed with vodka is not like that's still all of that that's the most on the professional side of things started how it's going (laughs) yeah there's i mean it's still that way right like you see someone drink a red bull like there's an immediate connotation you have like sometimes we're in a pinch we're driving and we can't grab a coffee I'll, i'll grab a red bull or something every single time i feel like just a little dirty bombs with it in my hand bombs yeah (laughs) And then you, like, you know, with the associations, so like you cringe internally a little bit. Um, but on the professional side in the sports world, they're just out, just crushing it. Extreme sports, Formula One, all of these, uh, all these major events. So still a very interesting and cool thing to I, see. I like it. I just think that uh, what we're seeing this season is very, very good. So shout out to Red Bull. Yeah. Mercedes, get your shit together. God damn. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sam's going to come and uh, work your pit crew if you don't. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, moving on to the NBA. We're in the postseason. It's been a postseason of attrition. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all of your favorite stars mm-hmm. um, are injured, <laughs> and their teams have not advanced, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I'm, I'm looking mm-hmm. like I'm going to eat a lot of crow unless Devin Booker and the Suns can beat the Clippers because the Clippers look like they're going to win the Battle of Los Angeles just by attrition or by the fact that they made it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, that's crazy. The Suns have proven to a lot of teams that they are to be taken seriously. I don't. I don't think it's just Devin Booker and CP3, because um, he didn't even play <laughs> because he he had a he had a yeah. he had a breakthrough COVID case um, or he violated the, the protocol, something like that. 
what the Suns have done is shown everyone, look, you thought we were 60 games in the bubble. You thought we were the Cinderella story. No, we're here to play and we have what it takes and we're not afraid of other teams. They, they, to me, they look like they've earned that number two seed. Um, it's weird because you you would think that by saying of how far they got into the postseason for the NBA, but mm-hmm. man, I I love it. Now, look, Devin Booker is a fantastic guy, unbelievable player. He's gonna he's gonna do a lot of great things in this league. We got to we got to stop doing two things. I see some people compare him to Kobe. Don't do that. Let let this dude be his own dude. Don't compare him to Kobe. And then the second thing is mm-hmm. the Kardashian curse does not seem to affect Devin Booker. But it has affected everyone else. Just we don't we don't talk about it. we don't talk <laughs> so about. So maybe we'll edit we this just, part out. But uh, shout out we to don't the talk Suns. About it. We just and uh, Paul George with Kawhi having a knee injury is actually stepping up and doing all the things that we expected to see out of him this season. Better late than never. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it will be enough. I think LA has a very good team. I just think right now that the Suns are playing with momentum and emotion, and I think that is a very very hard mixture to beat. Agreed. I think uh, my money is slowly sliding across the table uh, onto the Suns just because, you know, what they're doing. Uh, I mean, even the media attention seems to be positively moving in their way when you have Devin Booker, you know, there was a, in case everybody missed it, there was a viral video that was going around in which uh, a Suns fan was in the stands and had several, uh, we won't call anybody any teams out, but several uh, opposing team fans uh, just start giving him grief uh, in which he responded and the two guys uh, ended up coming up and uh, attempting an altercation in which this fine young man uh, handled the business exquisitely whilst, whilst taunting his additional friends (laughs) who were sitting behind still while uh, they're, while their two buddies laid bloodied and and snoozing on the ground, they continued to talk shit. In which he just continued to say in their face, "Sons and four, sons and four. Uh, and that made its way around the internet. Devin Booker saw it and said, "I need to get this man some tickets and, so, and a jersey." I, I, there was probably I was like, "There's probably more that went on with that." The, the tweet literally just said, uh, "I need this man's info," <laughs> and you know the rest was was kind of history. So. Um, they've got some diehard fans. They've got uh, a lot of momentum going their way. So, I mean, it, it it'd be cool just to see a different team kind of in the mix going into you know late into the postseason. So, you know, I don't have much of a dog in any any of these uh, these fights anymore. But I'll, I'm I'm pulling for the Suns a little yeah. bit. I'm, I'm a I'm a Booker fan. It is it is pretty crazy. There been a lot of a lot of talk and a lot of things being backed up in this postseason, and. I know if you're a Phillies, if you're a Philly 76ers fan, you just might put us on mute for the next couple of minutes. Trust the process. No. Trust the process. I don't trust the process. I don't trust the process where you no. have Ben Simmons who has multiple games where he scores zero points or two points or three points. You don't pay that dude 170 some odd million dollars to do that. You just don't. Everyone was talking about how Markel Fultz is one of the biggest busts yet. Ben Simmons seems to be much bigger. Um, Joel Embiid can't do it all played with, I think also like a torn labrum or a torn ligament in his hip. So yeah. he gave everything to Philly that he possibly something could. along those lines. Yeah. yeah. You just, this was going to be the year, right? The, the, the 76ers, 
The, the Celtics were falling apart. The Raptors weren't that great. They knew they were going to have to face the Nets at some point, but like the East was going to be pretty much unvarnished territory for them. And for them to lose to the team that they did <laughs> in the manner that they did, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, you're going to look at those viral moments anyways, you know, when Ben is underneath the, the rim and decides not to go um, <laughs> against the defender that's right there in front of him and pass the ball out. Everyone's going to say it's confidence. Everyone's going to say shooting, you know, needs to change, all this stuff. Look, I'm not a coach. All I know is you're paying that dude near max money. You need more out of him. Uh, the, the 76ers were very famous for trust the process, which is tank to get as many picks as possible. Um, and they assembled a team. And that team has not been able to raise a Larry O'Brien trophy since they did that. Um, I don't know if trust the process means – according to Daryl Morey, that they're just going to go back to the drawing board and they, they think this is what they have to win right now. But Doc Rivers being asked point blank, like if Ben Simmons is part of a team that gives them championship caliber or championship mentality. And he says, you know, I don't know if I can answer that question. It's not a very good look. Not a very good look at all. Uh, my favorite part of the entire thing, though, is the Orlando Magic, mm-hmm. uh, who sent out a tweet, which is just a, a gif. Uh, it says Markel Fultz, and uh, it has just him kind of winking and nodding because the Sixers got rid of uh, Fultz, uh, held on to Simmons, and you ended up with uh, Fultz anyway, uh, a guy who seems to have lost all of his confidence in his own shooting and is just dumping out you know easy, easy two points or uh, at least easy free throw, uh, you know, opportunities because he's just terrified to shoot the ball. Now, I'm not ready to write him off. I know a lot of people are saying this might be the end of him in Philly. I mean, Bolt's got a bunch of chances. Uh, Donovan Mitchell got a bunch of chances. I mean, like, a lot of these guys ended up needing a little bit of work, specifically in and around uh, that draft class in, in, the, in the years kind of surrounding it. So, whatever hitch she's got going on right now, whatever yips, yeah. I think, I think they'll work through it over the summer. I think he'll be fine. Obviously this is something he's going to go into hearing a lot of noise about. So I'm sure he's going to go out and get the right coaches, get the right trainers and, and kind of get things dialed back in because he's, I mean, he's a good player just for whatever reason, kind of an off year. I mean, he hasn't been a superstar quite, you know, quite yet or, or near that level, but he's been a bad player. So I think this might be a little bit of an eye opener and you might see some more attention on this going into the, the off season. I just didn't expect that the Atlanta Hawks are going to be the team that ended the process. Mm. Whew. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Ice Cube Trey, say what you want about that guy. He talks a lot of shit and he backs it up. Um, and for it to go to game seven and for them to to win by like at least eight points. I, I mean, it, to me, it was... It was a little shocking because I I just I just kind of expected we were going to see 76ers Bucks um, in the finals, but mm-hmm. um, well the you know the Eastern Conference Finals. So that that was that was great to me. Love seeing it. Um, the bigger collapse. The only, the only thing I will say, the only thing I will say real quick is that um, I while I like the confidence and you know him out there showing and putting on a show. I think he kind of teeters on that line right now where he's like a step away from it being just obnoxious. So I think he's got to like, 
I think he's got to balance that a little bit because, you know, he's one, you know, pointing at a logo, saying something stupid away, and then losing a game from then looking just like, you know, an asshole versus someone who is entertaining to watch. So it's I know it's a delicate balance. I know as we as, as fans kind of expect players to be able to make that balance, but I, I hope he just doesn't go like all in on the arrogant side. That's all. Um, That's all. I, Is it entertaining to watch? Yeah, I'm here for it. I would completely disagree. <clears throat> Ice Cube Trey, if you can hear right, me, be enough. as arrogant as possible. You earned that. Go get it. Um, although the, the all the stories and the memes about that the red haired guy from from Atlanta, <laughs> red velvet, as they're referring oh. to, mess. It's uh, there's a meme and it was like everyone in Philly is like after this year is like I don't want to eat red velvet cake anymore because like they call this dude red velvet. You know, he had red hair. It was it was funny. Super funny. <clears throat> All right. Nice. The Nets. The Nets, the Nets, the Nets. You said, oh, it's probably gonna be the Nets. They just said they just have an abundance of talent. Yeah. Like, like they're they're gonna mm-hmm. win the series. They did not. Mm-hmm. It went to game seven. They did not. And it was a it was a classic. It was a classic. It was a classic. It was a classic. Uh Kevin Durant said, James, let's do this thing our damn self. Because Kyrie was injured, and they pretty much Shocker. yeah they just carried the team on their back. Uh, they were ahead, then they were behind, and then with like three, four seconds left to go in regulation, Durant does the same thing he does when he just lulls a defender into his like little safe zone, and then he just jumps back and he has this incredible shooting arc where he just gets so far above the person. And his arm continues to go and go and go and go. And then by his by the time his hand is like up in the rafters, he just does a little wrist flick. And the ball just takes a predetermined arc swish. It is a thing of beauty. It's what I think he, that's why maybe why he calls himself easy money sniper, because it's like a sniper shot. It's amazing. It's deadly. He. Hey, but guess he, what? He, it works 99 out of 100. Right. <laughs> he kept his foot on the line, so it ended up being a two-point instead of a three. So it tied. We went to OT. And mm-hmm. then in OT, they lulled him into a false sense of security. He took the last shot, and it fell short. Um, and that's that's how that's you lose. Not, by, by fall short, Sam doesn't mean uh, he missed it and they lost the game. He means literally it was an air yeah, ball. Yeah, it was – did not even yeah, touch the like, net. I yeah, mean, so he, he had been ninety nine out of a hundred, but that hundred really stinks. really yeah, it, it really it really ended up stinging for them. Um, you got to hand it to him, right? Uh, the, to go to Game Seven, yeah. to do everything you possibly could. I mean, Giannis on the other side of the court was like he was doing everything he could for that team, but Harden with his hamstring tightness, playing as many minutes as he did, and KD, who for a long time I think has just been given so much guff in the media about can he do it? Can he? be not moody. Can he really lead a team? Can he win a championship without, you know, someone else than the death squad of golden state. And I, I think he really came close here. I think there were some coaching issues, you know, down the line. I think that there were definitely health and replacement issues on this team. I got to hand it up to Kevin Durant. I don't know if we could, I don't know if we could say health and replacement because they literally, like we've already said in the, the podcast before this, like their bench was still made up of all-stars. Like they had more all-stars on their team and they had starting positions to yep. play, so we we can we can talk none about of them, the best ability Kyrie being out is availability. Yeah. Kyrie was not there. Yeah, that's you know Harden. You know had to miss some games, and I I think that this team will be a yeah. force to be reckoned with for the foreseeable future. I think this was yep. a very very hurtful way to lose the series. Um, 
if I had my perfect finals, it's Bucks and Suns. I, I would really love to see that. Um, neither of those franchises has won a Larry O'Brien, so I, I think it would be great. I, I really do. Well, I think the Suns, the Suns might have won one. Before I go saying things I can't back up, checks that my ass can't cash, let me just go ahead and check on this. I don't think that they have ever won, but I, I will check that out. And while I'm doing that, Tim, break down some yeah. NHL playoffs for us. I, uh, I actually, real quick before we move on, um, we're, we're forgetting that Blake Griffin was also part of the the team that was on the court this weekend. So they legitimately just got totally outplayed. No, I didn't. I didn't forget. I just, I just chose not to. I just chose not to bring that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harden had 22. He had 17. Kevin Durant had 48 points. But um, here, here are the names of the people who are on the uh, the Bucks starting roster alongside uh, Giannis. You had PJ Tucker, Brooks Lopez, uh, Brooke Lopez, uh, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Pat Connington, Brian Forbes, uh, and is it Giannis's brother? I, who's front? Whose first name I? Um, will not butcher because he had one minute and one rebound, and that was the end of his. Uh, that was the end of his day. More minutes than Kyrie. Um, yes, yes. So they just got they just got outplayed. Like a team full of superstars, just unfortunately got got totally outplayed. But anyway, moving on. Before we do that, I've confirmed um, the Phoenix Suns have never won an, an NBA championship. Okay. Okay. We better now. Facts don't matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have uh, playoff hockey currently underway right now uh, in the uh, Canadians and uh, the Vegas Knights, who, if you haven't been following long, has been one of the biggest messes uh, in playoff sports uh, so far. In the NBA, the NFL, I mean, sorry, the NBA and uh, uh, the NHL and uh, everyone involved because two games in a row, it had some of the worst officiating I have ever seen Uh, because the same referees were out there two games in a row. Uh, The last game, they handed out a total of four penalty minutes to each team. So it's not like one side got more than the other. but. Go back, uh, do a little looking real quick when you get a second at the uh, penalties that were uncalled, uh, one of which was a player getting punched square in the face while one of the referees, uh, Chris Lee, was looking right at it and then turned his head away like he didn't see anything. There was one series where a guy was cross-checked into the boards. They stood up and they went the other way. He was then cross-checked from behind and then knocked to the ground. And either, I mean, it is, it is really, really bad. Supposedly, the NHL has said that uh, you know part of the reason those guys had to go back-to-back was because of COVID restrictions. But, man, it was, it was not pretty. It was not pretty. So... Uh, that game is currently on right now. The series is tied to two, uh, spoiler alert. Montreal is up, uh, three, nothing right now. Did you, so did you think when we were talking about like bad officiating calls, 
and Bruce Cassidy talking about at the end of the series versus the Bruins and the Islanders. I mean, I, I thought like, yo, you can't mm-hmm. you can't complain. Like it's on your players. Like you, you just you weren't the healthier team or the stronger team. Like that's I'd already chalked it mm-hmm. up. Gone through the five stages of grief. Lickety split. Just accepted it. Remember, we gave the bees a, a, a B for their season. They 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 largely overachieved. Yep. Now I'm seeing this this officiating later on in the series, and now I'm kind of like, well, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> Should there have been some more power plays that we? <laughs> not that it would have mattered because Boston wasn't scoring on the power play the same way that the Islanders were. Yeah, but I mean, geez, I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm not gonna say we shouldn't have got a couple more chances, a couple more cracks at the apple. You know, like this this to me just seemed yeah, a I little mean, suspect. Like when you have people on Twitter after a game being like the refing is bad. You expect it when you have people with blue check marks and a lot of people with blue check marks and a lot of analysts with blue check marks saying, yeah, yep. I, I've been watching the game for 20 years and that was bad. You're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it, it was like aggressively bad. It was one of those uh, games that stood risk of, you know, players taking over on the enforcement side. I don't know how that in, didn't end up in, well, out brawl just because of what was going on. And now, to be fair, I know there's going to be a segment of our audience and, you know, Twitter that thinks this is a great opportunity to, quote unquote, let them play. I agree when it comes to the playoffs, there should be um, a little bit more of a relaxed approach at some of the ticky-tack type penalties that you could call in favor of letting them play, let them be a little bit more aggressive, let them make a little bit more contact, that sort of stuff. These are just like flagrant, just, you know, things that get called literally all the time. I haven't looked to see who the staff is uh, tonight, but tonight's game is heated. I just watched someone uh, cross-check someone in the jaw while standing there looking at them. Like, they are not happy with each other right now uh and the best part was that didn't get called they just sort of separated them and sent them to their benches like <laughs> what? i don't i don't know what's going on here i don't know if there was like a conversation that went on and this is why you know these games are kind of going the way that they are but it's insane on the uh on the other side of that we have the lightning and we have the islanders um lightning uh, just whooped ass last night, and you're a lot of people be like, "Oh, it's the open goals." No, no, no. They they won eight nothing, and six of those points came in the first two periods of play with full teams. Um, nice. Like that, if there was a game yeah. where you could you could throw in the Rocky, throw in the towel, throw in the towel, throw in the damn towel. That would have been the game. I mean, yeah, I, I, I turned off the game and I started watching the, the Olympic trials. Because that's that's on right now, uh, the U.S. Olympic trials, and I was like, "Well, I know how this game's gonna go." Mm-hmm. Like the Lightning, just I've always called them those damn Tampa Bay Lightning because they just seem to just come out of nowhere and they just continue to generate more and more power, yep. and it's just super frustrating. Like the Islanders are a great team; they never stop. Yeah. But the Tampa Bay Lightning are like they're an undulating like set of waves that just continue to just crash over the Islanders, and I. I think they'll be lucky to get out of this series, to be honest. I, I don't I don't think there's anything stopping Tampa Bay from exerting their will. Maybe maybe yeah. the series will go to five games, but I doubt it. I mean, we're we're already beyond uh we're already beyond five games. The the, the game five is tomorrow. Um Tampa is up three to two. <laughs> yeah. Tampa's 
what we're game six is 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 tomorrow. You mean maybe it'll go to game seven? I smell you're stepping yeah. in. Uh, Tampa's up three to two. Uh, they've won three of the last four games that they've played. So and that's that's what I'm momentum's saying. Momentum's like, going their yeah, way. Yeah, momentum is is definitely their way. And five yeah. more games. I mean, that's you come off saying. a. <laughs> I know what I meant to say, Tim. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, you know, hockey is one of those weird sports you don't always necessarily follow up a blowout game with, you know, similar productivity. But that was uh, that was definitely a statement piece to kind of demoralize the Islanders. But, you know, we watched how the Islanders played, you know, right up to the end of the Bruins series where they just kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing. A lot of the games they played have been a lot closer than than what this would allude to. So. Well, I'm not ready to to write off the Islanders because um, they have again been playing incredibly well. Um, it's really tough to look at the way Tampa has been playing versus you know how the Bruins played, for example, and think that you know it's not in their hands. I had been originally I was originally pulling for uh, the, the Golden Knights, but the way that they're playing right now, I, I'm, I'm not feeling so confident about that. But Still pulling for him, but that Lightning team is going to be a team to to keep an eye on for sure, for sure. For Game Six tomorrow night, <laughs> well, case everybody it'll probably be Game track. Seven by the time they hear this. So you know, maybe they, maybe they went to Game Five. I mean, maybe we'll get. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I, like I said, you got to talk about it because I, I I didn't I wasn't watching much playoff hockey since since the bees went out. I'm like, all right, I like I pop mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. I you know I watch part of a period and then pop out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Well, thank you, Father Tim, Father mm-hmm. Time. That will do it for this episode Same. of the Stats of Matter podcast. We thank everyone for all the love and support. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Tell a, tell a friend about us. Tag us in some uh, some weird trolly you know comment post. We'll play mediator. Tag us in the worst sports takes you think that are out there. I will hand yeah. out as many fresh L's as I possibly can. Chef Sam is in the kitchen. Let's go. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Oh, boy. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, there you go. That's, that sounds a lot dealing, better. And, 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 and for, for, for working your way through Sam's terrible puns. I mean, I'm here with you guys. We're suffering through these together. But just working um, on my dad jokes before I become chef, a dad, chef, you know? It's important. Chef, Chef Sam is 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 doling out or dishing out or consuming else. I don't know which one is happening yet, but all the above, all the above, we'll Steve. All the above. We, we can't we can't fo- we cannot follow up. Uh, you know, not realizing how many games are left with the series by then claiming to hand out it's, L's it's on social bad. media. Yep. So yeah, maybe it's redemption. It's my redemption tour. It's my Tannehill redemption tour. I've taken a lot of L's. It starts now. <laughs> Write this now. Yeah. All right. Peace. All right. Thanks, guys. Peace. Thanks, guys. Again, what the fuck? (laughs) Oh, man. That was great. Thanks, everybody.